Well, again, good morning. Great to have you here. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, we are continuing, as Elizabeth mentioned, our message series called Living Out Love. And our attempt in this is to really begin to discover how you and I can be the best version of ourselves so that we can really love those around us in the best possible way uh, and how we can have the greatest possible impact on those that we interact with daily. So what we did for the beginning of 2019, if you've been here, you know that we looked at lots of statements or all the statements that Jesus made just before he died on the cross. Today, we're going to start to make a transition out of that and begin to try and get really practical, really begin to look at what does living out love look like and how do we make that a part of our lives. And so we're going to focus on that all the way up until Easter, as Elizabeth mentions, April 21st. So we're just going to really focus on how do we take all of those things that Jesus said and make them a part of our life. Um, and if you've been reading through the notes this morning, if you happen to read through the message notes ahead of time, uh, some of you are starting to get nervous because you can see what's coming. Some of you are like, I don't think I really want to pay attention this morning. Because this morning, I'm going to challenge you to begin to recognize that one of the most practical ways, one of the most essential ways that we live out love is that we share the opportunity with other people to know about Jesus. Sharing our faith and inviting them to know Jesus. And oftentimes we get really nervous when that starts to come up. And we're like, ah, here's what's crazy. You and I are so brave to tell everybody about anything else that we discover or feel. We'll just, we tell everybody, right? Like, if you hate Donald Trump, or if you love Donald Trump, we'll just shout it out, right? We have no problems. Or, or maybe you discover a really exciting way to organize your pantry, or your t-shirts, or your garage. We post that all over social media. Maybe you go to Red Lobster and you have a rude server, get poor service. Man, we're just like, oh, Red Lobster, cheesy biscuits, amazing, server, terrible. Maybe you go to a movie, a credible movie comes out, and you're like, man, that is so good. And you got to you know, share everybody, tell everybody you feel like you are Siskel and Ebert, two thumbs up. For the younger generation, Rotten Tomatoes, 99%, like... Whatever it would be, we're like, we got to tell everybody. We, we seem to have zero hesitation to share the other discoveries that we experience in life. Things that really have almost no impact on our lives and, and rarely actually help others. But when it comes to knowing Jesus, we have the opportunity to share something that has this transformative power that Jesus wants to offer. And so often we hold back, or we get scared, or we get worried to share what it is that we've discovered. And so this morning, I want to see if we can start to break some of that apart. And how we can begin to say, you know what, I want to be able to share with others what Jesus has done in my life. And how we can begin to look for ways to do that and tell people what we found out to be true in our relationship with Jesus. And I recognize that it's not always easy. So let's start by looking at a couple things. Let's start looking at some obstacles that we oftentimes face when wanting to invite. Because oftentimes we hold back. Oftentimes we hesitate. Oftentimes we doubt. And I, and I say that because I know it's true for me. At times I'll be, I'll be thinking, okay, I'm going I'm to invite them to church. I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, as, as that moment starts to get there, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, I think they're going to reject me. Uh-oh, I think they're going to get mad at me. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, later. Years and years ago, I took this class um, on how to share your faith and how to lead people to Jesus. And, and there was this script that you would learn, and you would memorize all these questions, and the questions would lead to the next question. And one of the opening questions, this is, I think back to this, I'm like, this is the dumbest opening question of all times. The opening question was this. Have you come to a place in your life where if you die tonight, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell? That's the opening question! 
The idea was like you would be walking along and you start talking with a stranger and you just drop that question in. So uh, just, just imagine, this is what, so you're standing there at the bus stop, right? Like, hey, buddy. Hey, we're waiting for the same bus, yeah. Man, that snow's been crazy. Sounds like there's another cold front moving in. Speaking of cold front, <laughs> if you died tonight, would you burn up in fire for all eternity? Like, that was the plan. I mean, that was like, you know, the guy's like, I'm getting on another bus. So, so oftentimes we make it not very easy for ourselves. And because we don't make it very easy for ourselves and we come up with weird things, we actually create our first obstacle, which our first obstacle is oftentimes we just become afraid. Like, like we begin to dream up the worst case scenario. Like they're going to start yelling at us and they're going to start calling us names and, and they're going to tell us to go to hell. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, you think I ought you, you know. And it starts to feel risky, and we start to think, man, if I put myself out there, I'm, I, I lose control of this situation, and I don't know what's going to happen. And we start to get afraid, and we begin to create this obstacle, in it, and it causes us to be unwilling to, to share what we know to be true. The next obstacle that we actually face is that it actually might work. There's a chance that the person might be interested and want more information, and, and the thought is that we feel underqualified. We're worried that, that if we invite somebody to church, if we, if we tell them about Jesus, they might ask us to explain, like, the double imputation based on the justification through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. Right? Like, if you invite them to Jesus, they might ask for that. And, and some of you in the room could probably break that down into some simple terms, right? Right? Can you do that? Can you guys understandable terms of the double imputation of justifi justification through the substitutionary atonement of Jesus? No? The good news is, nobody's going to ask you that. Right? No, nobody's going to suddenly be asking for an explanation of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, which, if you want to know later, I'll break that down. It's not all that complicated. But here's the deal. If somebody asks you a question, if somebody rolls out a question that you don't have an answer to, if they have a doubt that you just don't know how to speak to, here's the best move. This is all you say. That is a really good question. That's a very interesting observation. I'm going to find out for you. And then you run as fast as you can, and you start doing some research. Or, or you phone a friend. Or you hit up the Google box, right? Like somehow, you figure it out. Or you say something like this. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? The preacher, he's pretty simple. He does say, says things that are easy to understand. Let's go together, and we'll both start getting answers. But oftentimes we feel underqualified, and the reality is we just need to admit, oh, I, don't, I don't know, let's find it out, or I'll find it out for you. Another obstacle when it comes to inviting people to Jesus is we just, we're concerned about being pushy. Like my guess is, and we're not going to get a show of hands because I don't really want to know how, how true this is, most of us have probably known a pushy Christian, right? Right? Like, they're in your face, like, you need Jesus, and you need Jesus, and it's like, all the time, you need Jesus, right? Religion, 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 and you're like, dude, I'm in already, knock it off! <laughs> right? If you squeeze them, like, like, burp religion, you're like, dude, don't, and we're like, I don't want to be that person, I don't want to be the, the pushy Christian. Here's the great news, we're not called to do that. We're, we're not called to be that. I mean, if you watch the life of Jesus... It wasn't pushy at all. 
And, and he challenged people more than anybody. I mean, he was constantly calling people to something new, and yet people were continually drawn to hear what he had to say, to hear what it was that he could speak into their life about. Now, the last obstacle, and this might be a little offensive, and the reality is if it's a little offensive, it might be true. The last obstacle is this, is we are oftentimes just complacent. Oftentimes, we just don't care that much. Like, we're okay, because we got Jesus. We're, we're set, we're going to heaven, and we, we just don't care that much. I mean, we, we sort of care, right? Like, I think we would all say, ah, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want somebody to live their whole life without Jesus. We just don't care enough to take a risk, to overcome the obstacles, to move beyond those things and, and potentially face some persecution. So we just hesitate to talk about Jesus because we, we're a little complacent. We don't care enough. And those obstacles, if they're true in our lives, what we have to remember is that the exact same spirit that was capable of raising Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is living inside of each of us that will give us the strength, that will give us the power, that will give us the courage and the words to say to step out. And God calls you and I, if we're in relationship with him, we are the ambassadors to the world. We are the diplomats representing heaven on earth. We represent Jesus Christ. So for any of us that would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, then God is calling you to share your faith. God is calling you to invite people to what you know. And again, we've been talking over these last several weeks about what Jesus did and how he was living out love and how it leads us to, to begin to love those around us. So this morning, I'm going to push us a little bit. I'm going I'm to push you maybe a little bit more than you want to be pushed. But it's really critical that you and I understand and realize it's extremely selfish and unloving to be unwilling or disinterested in learning about how to live out love and invite people to Jesus. Now, here's the great thing. We don't have to make it complicated. And I'm not going to challenge you to learn any script. I'm not going to challenge you to go travel great distances. No, I'm not sending anybody to Africa this morning. None of that. But, but the challenge is, is to begin to recognize how do we live out love and how do we just make it a part of how we live? And if we'll be willing to begin to intentionally pray and pay attention and respond to opportunities, you and I have the opportunity to play a critical role in transforming people's eternity. But it happens when we allow ourselves to live out love to begin to establish connections with people, to begin to prepare ourselves to step into moments that God presents and demonstrate out of love inviting people to know Jesus. So how we're going to do this? It doesn't have to be tricky. It doesn't have to be difficult. So let's just start with what first thing, the first thing we need to do. The first thing we need to do is simply use what you have. Just, just use what you have. So if you have a really cool backyard... Like, you've got this amazing barbecue pit, and you've, like, you've set it up. It's Use that. People want to hang out with you. Trust me. Grill some steak. People will come. Use that for Jesus. You got a gym membership? You enjoy working out? Use that. If you're a student and you're involved in study groups, use that. 
If you've got kids in school and maybe you're volunteering or, or maybe you have to stand in the line waiting for the bus, use that. Use whatever you've got going on in your life. When my wife and I, when we first moved into our house, um, the water lines on our street were what's called a spaghetti line. So basically what that means is that at the very top of our street was where the water meter was located. And then all of our water lines would run through our neighbor's front yards until it reached our house. So we happen to be the fourth house on the block. So what that means is at the very top of our street was our water meter, and then our water line would run through three of our neighbor's front yards until it got to our house. Another neighbor of mine, two houses down, he had his water line running through five people's yards. Now, what's crazy, as the homeowner, you were required to maintain and repair the water line from the meter at the top of the street all the way to your house. So this is what would happen. At least two or three times a year, all of a sudden a water, a big pool of water would start to gather in somebody's front yard. And all the neighbors would be like, uh-oh. And so typically we would all gather around, everybody would show up with their shovels, and we'd start digging. And we'd start getting to the bottom. And essentially, we'd eventually get down and we would discover which poor fool had to repair their line. Like it was, it was kind of a game. It was like, who's going to be, you know? <laughs> oh, you already had to do this three times this year, right? Like it was... And sometimes people would stick around and help, and most of the time, whoever water line it was, they had to get in the hole and they had to do the work, and everybody else just stood around and watched and chatted, you know. We've since had the water line, it's changed, and we have a main, water main running down our road. But back in the day, when that was happening, it, we got it replaced about seven years ago, I was using that headache constantly. I'd see a big pool of water, and I was like, <laughs> they don't know what's coming. <laughs> and I would use those moments to chat with my neighbors, to talk to them about the church, or, or talk about what Jesus was doing, or something we were working on. And actually, one of my neighbors is now a regular attender at Silver Creek. And I think it's because of the spaghetti line. So, so I don't know what you have. You know what you have. Those things that you have in your life, God has placed them in your life to allow you to invite through it. There was a guy by the name of Luke that captured this incredible story out of the life of Jesus and recorded a lot of what was going on. And in this story, I think it helps us realize that you don't have to have much to use what you have. In fact, what we're about to see is you don't have to have much of anything physical in order to pull this off. The verses are on the screen, and it's in your message notes. The story goes this way. It says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus didn't have a house. Jesus didn't have a place to host a party. He didn't have an office. He didn't have a meeting area. He didn't own anything. But what Jesus did have is he had the ability to show an interest in people. He had an interest or he had the ability to care about individuals. And so Jesus, what he had was he just had the ability to watch for people that were hurting. He would watch for people that were in need spiritually then he would demonstrate genuine interest in them, genuine concern for what they were and what they were going through, and he would give them his time. 
he would demonstrate, you're important to me. And then they would just clamor to be around him. And what we have to begin to realize and recognize is that one of the great things that we have are, are the relationships that we can create and connecting with other people and connecting with those that don't know Jesus yet. Like, my job, I got to work really hard to get outside of a Christian bubble. So sometimes what we have to use is our, is our skills to think, how do I get outside of just what I know? How do I get to where I can begin to be in a relationship with people that, that don't have it all figured out? Because Jesus didn't come for the, for the healthy. He came for those that were spiritually unhealthy. Jesus came and died for those that don't know him. So what that means for you and I is we have to start watching. You and I, we have to start paying attention. We start to start looking at what is it that I have that I can begin to use in order to create relationships where I can invite people to Jesus. So, so maybe that's your job. Maybe that's your hobby. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's a talent. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe your failures. Use your failures. Use your resources. Use your creativity. You know what it is that you have. Use those things that you have and begin to create and begin to develop, begin to establish connections and relationships. And then when the moment is right, when God says, this is the moment, then, then you just step in and invite to Jesus. Invite to what it is that you know. Now, in case you're like, I don't know what I have. I don't know what I have. I'm convinced that one of the greatest things, one of the greatest resources that each of us have is Silver Creek. So what I'm going to challenge you to begin to use is to lean into the church. This is, this is a resource for you. And recognizing that inviting people to Jesus is sometimes difficult. It's sometimes scary. Sometimes it's, it's overwhelming. People have lots of preconceived ideas about what church is. And so at Silver Creek, one of the things we work really hard to do is to remove as many hurdles as possible that might cause somebody to, to trip up and not come to church. I don't think I can come to church. I don't like to dress up. <laughs> come to Silver Creek. Dress wherever you want. Oh, you know, I, I, I need my coffee in the morning. Uh, bring it right in. We don't care. Like, whatever it is. Like, we try to, try to remove those hurdles. We also try to be really predictable. We try to make the service pretty much the same. On the front of the program, you know what's going to happen every week. And we do that so that if you ever take the opportunity to invite a friend or invite a neighbor or invite a family member or bring them to church, you don't have to worry that on that moment you're going to show up and there's going to be like a puppet show or something. I don't even know. What, like, you're like, like, you know what's coming. And so you can invite your friends with confidence. We also realize that most of you don't have 20 hours a week to, to dedicate to a message for what you're going to share, right? I do. So, so lean into me. My goal and the reason that we, we write the messages that we do and try to work really hard to make them easy to understand and, and practical to life and very tangible for how you apply them. The goal is so that when you invite, it's easy for people to receive that. And my intention as I'm writing is I want to try and meet people at any stage that they're at. Wherever people are at in their spiritual journey. The goal is to be able to provide them a next step with where they're at. 
So one of the great things that you have that you can use in the process of inviting is lean into the church. Lean into me. Again, if, if you've got somebody that has a question or has an, you can't answer, shoot me an email. But if there's been a benefit for you, if you've learned something that, that's been a help to you in your life, invite your friends to that. And, and you don't have to be able to explain it. You don't have to defend it. You just speak to what's happened in your life. Speak to the difference that it's made for you. Ultimately, in whatever ways the church, and bigger than that, Jesus, whatever ways he's made a difference in your life, then lean into that and invite people to what you found to be true. There's this amazing story about a lady that did just that. This lady was sitting by a well collecting water, and Jesus comes up and sits down next to her. And they begin to have this conversation. And in the process, Jesus begins sharing with her that he can give her life that will last forever. That he can begin to help her life move in a positive direction that she never imagined it would go in. And all of a sudden, this light goes on. And the moments after she understands that, this is what we read. It says, Then, leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. She's leaning into Jesus. He had made this profound difference in her life. She couldn't explain it. She didn't understand it. But she had to tell people. She had to invite people to it. She just had Jesus, just moments before this, tell her everything about her life. And even in telling her everything or him telling her everything about her life, he still loved her, he still accepted her, in spite of all of the very rough parts. And if you've ever heard this story, this lady had some rough past. She's had multiple husbands. She's now living with another guy that's not her husband. The whole town knows her story. Everybody knows her past. But when she goes into the town and she begins to explain, I just met this guy named Jesus and he just answered all of my questions and he's changed me in great ways. He's told me things that, that I never realized could happen and, and now I need to go share that. And when she went in there and told the town, she's like, they're like, oh, you've been changed? Let's find out. They're like, man, if that happened for you, Let's go find him. And if, if that lady hadn't gone into town, if she didn't invite, if she hadn't gone in and said, listen, I, I don't understand it, but this guy has changed my life. If she didn't invite, the people wouldn't have come out of the town. And as a church, we're going to do everything we possibly can to continue to point people to Jesus. And our goal is each and every week, we want to celebrate the incredible opportunity to be in relationship with him. So lean into the church. Invite your friends. And actually, this year with Easter, we're going to try to tap into the power of that incredible day more than we ever have before. So we're going to start providing you with lots of tools and lots of helps and, and lots of opportunities to lean into the church because what we recognize is that Easter is this extremely powerful day where, where people have this natural inclination to check out church. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lean in to Easter. So over the next couple of weeks, starting next week, we're going to start running ads in the, in the Herald. 
I called the Herald this last week or a couple weeks ago and started talking to them about, hey, we want to run some ads leading up to Easter. And, and, and the lady's like, okay, yeah, here's what it costs to be in, in the, on the faith page. And I was like, yeah, we don't really want to be in the faith page. She's like, yeah, but if people are looking for a church, they're going to go to the faith page. And I'm like, yeah, we're kind of looking in for the people that aren't looking for church. She's like, you're what? I was like, can we be in the sports section? (laughs) She's like, yep, that's where the people are that aren't looking for church. And I was like, that's right where we want to be. And I was like, can I still get that faith page discount? She's like, okay. So anyway, (laughs) she might be coming to church. I'm going to keep working on that girl. Anyway, um, so we're going to be running some half-page ads in the Herald for a couple weeks, and then we've got some other ads that are going to run in the weeks leading up to Easter. Facebook is about to explode with all kinds of reminders and countdowns that Easter is coming up. When you see those, share them. Share them. And all of that is going to serve sort of as this like, preliminary sort of air cover. So then when your friends or your family or your neighbor, neighbors, your coworkers, they're going to see those things. They're going to see them start to pop up, and those ads are going to begin to create some openings. And then as we get closer to Easter, we're going to have some fun giveaways on Easter morning. We're going to give out some Legos to kids and little squishy things. And we've got our egg hunts. And I don't, I don't even know what the squishy things are. Some mom told me about them. Anyway, we're giving away a bunch of stuff. It's going to be an amazing morning. But the key is for you and I to begin to recognize we've got to be invested in this process. And so we're going to start to provide for you some invite cards to help reinforce those newspaper ads and those Facebook posts and people are going to start to see those and they're going to begin to be prompted into that. But each of us will need to respond to that opportunity. Each of us will have the opportunity to lean into what the church is doing and to invite people to find what you found to be true. And so our hope is that you would start planning to be here on Easter and that you would start considering who is it in my life that I can be inviting to that. Another critical aspect when it comes to inviting is this, is you need to know your story. People will likely want to know, why does it matter? Why do you get up early, even on daylight savings, to go to church? Right? Why why does it matter enough to you that, that Jesus is important to your life? So it's really smart to know your story before they ask. Otherwise it's like, I don't know. Right? Think about it. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. And you don't really have to memorize anything. You don't need to figure out your dates of anything. Like, just none of that is necessary. Basically, there's three things you need to do. You need to think about, what was my life like before Jesus? Like, what, what was your thought patterns? What were some of the choices that you made? What were your priorities? What did you feel like was the purpose of your life? What were you like prior to Jesus? Then begin to consider, like, what caused you to think that Jesus might make a difference in your life? Maybe there was a transition. Maybe there was a tragedy. What, what caused you to begin to view your life and think, you know what, maybe, maybe I've got to look into this thing. Maybe there was a person in your life, and the way that they lived, and the way that they treated you, and the, and the hope and the passion that they had, you began to say, I, I don't know what you've got, but I want that. And then you found out they had a relationship with Jesus, and you're like, oh. And then that started the process for you. So know what your life was like before Jesus. Know what caused you to begin to think about Jesus. And then lastly, know what has your life, how does your life look different now? Are are there some new ways that you're viewing relationships? 
Have your perspectives on, on what's important or what brings you joy, have the persp- has that changed? Maybe we get to consider what kind of hope now exists and, and, and how, do I, how do I lean into Jesus for guidance and strength and, and encouragement? And then when you know your story, you don't have to explain how it happened, you just have to explain that it did. There's this another amazing story in the Bible about this guy that's born blind. And Jesus shows up, and Jesus heals this guy, and now he can see. And the religious leaders are like, how did he do it? They're desperately trying to figure out how Jesus did it, and they want this blind guy to describe who Jesus is. So they're questioning this guy over and over and over, like, how did he do it? Who is he? His, his response is perfect. This is what he says. The blind guy replied. It says, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. Mm. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. That's my story. Before Jesus, I was blind. And then I met Jesus, and he figured out I'd love to be healed, and now I see. You read the whole story. The guy couldn't explain it at all. Later on, he's like, oh, you guys want to follow him too? (laughs) He starts inviting. Look at that. He doesn't even know how to describe if Jesus is a sinner or not. What he knew was his story. He knew the difference that Jesus had made in his life, and it forever changed who he was because he met Jesus. And if you and I take a little time and we know our story, we'll be way less apprehensive to enter into conversations about Jesus. So really what you say is, uh, before I knew Jesus, I was blind. I was lost. I was hopeless. I was discouraged. I was just trying to do it on my own. And, and now I know Jesus. And now I can see. And, and now I have hope. And I've discovered joy. And, and I have this strength of God in my life and direction that he provides. But we need to know our story. And then the last step that comes when inviting people to Jesus. And, and really, this is the first steps to inviting Jesus. And I think I left you too many slides, by the way, in there. So you have to skip ahead here. Uh, the last steps to inviting are this. Last steps are pray, and then pray, and then pray. That's a huge part of it. Pray that God would give you a heart and an attitude to value inviting people to Jesus. My guess is that most of us in this room, we see the value in it. We we recognize that it's important to invite. We just haven't truly embraced it for ourselves. We want to leave it for the professionals professionals don't. People aren't looking to talk to the professional. They're looking to talk to people that are living life alongside of them. Pray that God would begin to stir up something new in your heart. Pray that God would begin to bring people into your life that don't know Jesus. Pray that God would begin to make you aware of those people that are already in your life and you just haven't noticed them or thought to invite them. And what's so amazing is when you and I start praying that God would begin to give us eyes, we'll begin to see those that are around us, that that God has already placed in our lives, and then he's already beginning to create opportunities for you and I to tell them about who he is. And so we begin to pray for courage, and we begin to pray for responsiveness, that when God opens the window of opportunity, that we step in. And the goal isn't to be pushy. The goal isn't that every time you see somebody, you're like, hey, Jesus now? No, Jesus now. Jesus now? Would now be a good time to talk about Jesus? No. 
part of prayer about it is like, God, would you open my eyes to see those moments, to see those opportunities where people will be receptive? And what we're saying is that Easter is an amazing moment when people become receptive in ways that they've never become receptive before. Because the same power of what God did where he raises Jesus from the dead is the same power that begins to sweep through our community and people's hearts begin to be drawn towards that. And if you and I will begin to pray, we'll begin to find these moments where God is working in their hearts. And maybe they don't respond every time, but, but God will begin the process of working in their hearts and will begin to, to prompt them and begin to create a willingness to at least listen, to at least hear what you have to say. So here's my challenge to you this morning. I want to challenge you to begin to identify five people, five people that you can pray for and then invite to Jesus. So in your program this morning, hopefully you've got one of these cards, and I'm going to challenge you to create a list of five people. And maybe as you're sitting there, you're like, I'll never come up with a list of five. Or maybe you're like, hey, I need to borrow yours because I've already got ten people and you want to... But either way, I would challenge you over the next week, start working on this list. Begin to pray that God would guide you to creating a list. And, and maybe even part of it is being strategic. Like thinking through, what is it that I have that I can use that God has already placed in my life? Here's what I want you to know. I'm going to challenge you to do this, to list these five people out that you can be praying for, that you're going to invite. But not only am I challenging you to do this, our staff and our leadership and our interns and our board are going to lead by example. If you're on our board, you didn't know that, surprise. I met with staff leadership at interns this last week, and we already told them about it. But in our room in the back where we have our meetings, I've listed out every board member, every staff member, every leadership. Every, all of our names are up there, and right underneath of all of our names are one, two, three, four, five. And we're going to sit in our meetings, and they're going to identify who are the five people that they're going to be praying for, and who are the five people that they're going to be inviting. And I know there's some past board members in here that are like, thank goodness this is not my year. <laughs> it's still your year. It's still your year. Can you imagine the impact we can have on our community if each and every one of us took five individuals and invited them to Jesus? What if we only get one out of five? So take the list. Figure out the names. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your dashboard. Somewhere that you'll see it consistently. It was amazing. In our meeting this last week as we were talking about it, uh, we had one of the individuals was like, I, I don't have five. And we kind of talk, like, yeah, yeah, I don't have five. And then as the meeting continued, every now and then they would get up from their chair and walk over to the board, and they would come up with another name. And then they would go sit down, and a little bit later, they're like, oh, yeah. And it was just like, as they began to recognize, and as they began to think about it, they began to understand that God was putting them strategically in people's lives for the opportunity to invite. So again, I would just challenge you to begin to consider who it is that you're going to create on this list that you begin to pray for them and pray that God would give you the courage to invite. And every week we put these green connect cards in your program and, and the challenge is for you to begin to identify what your next step is, to reflect on what it is that you've heard for this morning and determine for yourself what your next step is. Maybe your next step is to identify which obstacle most prevents you from inviting people to Jesus or to church. Maybe your next step is to spend some time knowing your story 
Maybe your next step is to create the list of five people that you can pray for and begin preparing to invite them to Easter at Silver Creek. Or maybe there's just a personal next step that that God said something to you this morning and you know you need to take action on that. We're going to do something a little bit different in just a moment as we pray. Um, I'm just going to ask you if you're committing to the idea of, of creating that list, and maybe you don't have your list yet. As we pray, I'm just going to invite you to take that list that's in your program. I'm going to invite you to hold it in the air, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for your list, and I'm going to pray that God would begin to give you the courage and begin to bring names to your mind. Let's pray. God, this morning, so often we, we recognize the incredible value of telling people about you, and then, and then when it becomes reality... It can be a little scary. Jesus, would you help us to recognize this incredible power that exists because of you in our lives to give us the courage, to give us the opportunity, and to recognize that if we're willing to to take this challenge, God, you'll be there, right there with us. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to be your representatives to the world, to ultimately be living out love in such a way that we're demonstrating and sharing about the greatest example of living out love when when you came and died for us and ultimately conquered death so that we could have life. This morning, if you're going to take that card and you're going to create five names and maybe you don't even have it yet, if you would just hold that card up God, this morning, you see each and every one of these cards that are being held up. And God, I just want to commit these lists to you. God, these individuals that are claiming and saying, I want to take this challenge. God, would you give them the courage? Would you give them the strength? Would you give them just even the ability to come up with their five names? And then, Jesus, would you begin to give them opportunity to see those moments, to see those little windows where they can begin to share what it is that that you've done in their life, and invite these people, these, these people that you love and care so much for, would you give each of us the ability and the strength and the courage to step out and to invite? You can put your cards down. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. Help us respond and, and invite to the incredible things that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.